you take a moment, turn to your neighbor. If you see someone you don't know, introduce yourself. Welcome them here this morning.
So I have a request. I need help from all the men on this next song. It's a little low for me, so please sing out. Thanks, Ken.
It truly is a privilege. It truly is a privilege. And at this point, I'd just like to pray for all of our veterans this morning. Would you join me in praying? God, we come before you recognizing our men and women in this congregation. God, here with us this morning. God, those in our community, those in our city, and those in our nation. We recognize them. We honor them. And we thank you for them. God, because they said yes to the call to serve our country, we can stand here, sit, we can hang out in our lobby, free to worship you, to talk about you. So God, because of them and because you have employed them, God, because you have used them, God, we just give thanks and we honor them this morning. We ask everything in our precious Savior's name. Amen. Uh, if you are new with us this morning, we just want to say welcome. Maybe some of you, this is week three, week two, or maybe this is 1,446 for some of you. Uh, we're just really glad you're here, and you're, you know, you being here and sitting where you are right now, it means the world to us, and we're just thankful that you're here. And a couple things I want to turn your attention to, if you look in your bulletin, there's two things. One is our Thanksgiving Eve service, and that's going to be on November 22nd. And at 7 p.m., we're going to have a night of worship and a night of a service of just giving thanks to so many things that God has, has given us so freely and so graciously. And so we're going to have a night of worship on November 22nd. And the other thing is the dessert theater, 8, 9, and 10 of December. And this is an outreach event. This is going to be here uh, at Crossroads, and it's going to be a, a dessert theater. There's going to be a wonderful program, and there's going to also be desserts, and I've heard they're awesome. <laughs> uh, and so we're really excited about that. This is an outreach event, so would you grab somebody that you know and invite them to this and uh, grab some of your neighbors or maybe people you kind of know? And this might be a, a, a challenge for some of you and just want to challenge this whole congregation to do so. Uh, on, on December 8, 9, and 10, our dessert theater. One last thing is uh, we've been talking about the birthday gift of Jesus just the last couple weeks, and I have the privilege of showing you a video from one of our missionaries, John and Bianca Fowler. John has been a mentor in my life for many years. He's a dear friend to my wife and I and to our family, and so it's a privilege to show you this video, and then Ken's going to come up and talk a little bit more about it. Okay. Thank you, Rowan. Um, hi, Kenny. And Rhonda and the church, we just wanted to say hello and give you guys a quick update. Bianca and I are sitting here on a, a muggy buggy night on, down in Panama. And uh, our boys are in watching TV right now, so we had a quiet moment to give you guys an update. Um, before we go too far into the, the business side of things, we're going to give you an update on our family. And then we'll also tell you about how the ministry is going and how you guys can be praying for us. We'd love to hear how, you guys can, how we can be praying for you too. But Bianca, why don't you fill everybody in on how we're doing? Um, we're doing good. We're going to celebrate three years um, living and serving here in Panama in December. So um, that's exciting. And so far, our boys have adjusted well. Um, we're doing homeschool. So um, I think we're coming up on two, three years of homeschool now, almost the whole time we've been here. And um, the boys are making friends. They just started playing baseball down here, learning baseball for the first time in Spanish. So that's been a challenge, but they're They've been doing great, and um, yeah, so we're adjusting well. We're doing well. Our family's doing well. Yep, yep. And meanwhile, you know, we're, we're working on the ministry. You know, our team's mission and purpose is to glorify God by multiplying churches and healthy churches and healthy leaders uh, to be biblically based, centered on the gospel, committed to the Great Commission, and, and multiplication-minded. And so for us, the two pieces are the church and leaders. And so right now, the way that's working out is 
everybody in our team is in some way focused on those two things. Um, we currently are working with two churches. Uh, we've gotten one by God's grace to a really great place and now we're actually going to transition to a different church and help out um, some leadership and, and see a church through some rough transitions that they've been having. But we just ask that you be praying for them. That's more located in the center of Panama City. Until now, we've been working mostly uh, on the just outside on the west side of Panama City. So this will be a new new adventure for us that starts in November. And then we're also working on building up a pastors network. And that actually will happen in the middle of November too. We'll be beginning uh, to meet with pastors monthly around Panama to build up um, just a sense of camaraderie instead of competition for the kingdom. So so that will be big. We ask you guys to be praying for that. And then, um, of course, we have a ministry called Global Fingerprints 2, which we can share more about um, through our newsletter uh, or our website, followingthefowlers.com. But that ministry is a child sponsorship ministry that helps to um, helps kids or vulnerable children in vulnerable uh, situations and also can be a church planting tool. So it's kind of cool. It's called Global Fingerprints. We can tell you guys more about that. But, um, yeah, other than that, like our team is, is you know, doing well and um, in addition to our family there's two other couples that are on our team and there's a single who's in the states raising support and we'd love to see more join us but um, and what else what am I missing yeah um, just be praying for our ministry please continue to pray for us we could not do this without your prayers and your financial support we are so so grateful um, just pray, continue to pray for our family and our ministry and our team here. Um, God's got so much to do, more to do than we can do, which is exciting um, and challenging. So um, every little bit, every prayer, every financial donation um, is used to just further the kingdom here in Panama. So thanks. so thankful for our missionaries out there serving on the field. Uh, John and Bianca, they came to the church here as high school kids, uh, little kids. He, uh, John grew up here in the church. I had the privilege to baptize John and Bianca both right here in our church, and that, that's pretty exciting to see that here are some kids that grew up here in the church, graduated high school, went off to college. He became a youth pastor, was serving in the youth ministry for several years, and then off into the mission field. And, and I always say that he, this guy here, when he was in high school, he would have won the award for least likely to become a missionary, okay? I'm just going to tell you that right now. And, uh, and God transformed his life. And it's just so awesome to see what God does. And so that's why, you know, our church has always been about young people. We love young people here at our church. Um, you know, we, we, we work with them through the ups and the downs. And look what God does. He does great things. So um, I would like to ask you to pray about that birthday gift to Jesus. Take that list out. It's inside your bulletin. There's, there's projects there totaling up to $81,000. Last year we set the goal at 80. This year we have it at 81. 
we exceed the goal again, we're going to just bless these missionaries in abundance. It's going to be great, great to, to see what God's going to do. But I'd like to ask you to begin to pray about it and to be rich in giving, rich in serving, rich in loving, not to get rich, okay? There's a difference, right? I'm not saying here's how to get rich. I'm saying to be rich, and this is what we do, to be rich in giving. Man, we give and we support these guys. We give on a regular basis. And I want to say thank you to our church family just for giving. You're such a faithful congregation. You're so generous, and, and that's, that's the sign of growing believers. As we grow closer to God, we say, hey, you know, God, we're able to part with this stuff. This is, this is yours, not mine. And so, so we are so thankful for, uh, for you, our church family. And as we head into this season of generosity, beginning to look and just say, man, as we head towards Christmas, we want Jesus to be at the top. And here at Crossroads, we make him the top and the center of everything we do. That's why we have the Christmas dessert theater. Uh, There's practice. They're practicing up here tonight. I know they'll be practicing and working hard up here tonight and making things go. They're getting ready. This place will be transformed in a few weeks into a theater. And then we'll go over in the gymnasium and we'll have our uh, our signature desserts and all that good stuff, okay? Those are are little things you've got to remember, right? But, you know, it's like we're going to be bringing people to Jesus. But what happens is our church, you go out and you bring your friends. When we make the tickets, only $6. You go online, you get a ticket, and you're bringing somebody to Jesus, and you're saying, man, I just want to be on mission. And so as we go through Christmas, I want to encourage you to, to be generous and to give to God and put him at the top of the birthday gift to Jesus. It's put him at number one. And then uh, we still give gifts to our kids. We love our families. We're able to do all that, but we put him at the top. I'd like to call our ushers forward, and as they come, if you're here as a guest today, this is your first time here, I want to encourage you to let the plate pass you by. You're certainly welcome to participate, but this is not, there's no obligation. We want everyone to give freely, and uh, if you're here as our, our guest, please let this pass you by. This is for our, our regulars who are growing in the grace of giving. We so thank you. And, and by the way, first service, I was able to, we sang happy birthday to Lois Vandermeer, turned 90 on Wednesday coming up. So when you see her, you got to hug her and give her a 90 hugs or whatever you do, okay? But just love on her. She's been leading sweet 60s since before she was 60, okay? So she's been doing that for over 30 years in this church, and she is a true blessing. She is on mission. You know, it's so cool. She, she, moved to, she sold her home and moved into a retirement community, and she brought the guy to church with her who fixes the place. He's a maintenance guy. And she invited him, and he, he sits with her every Sunday in church. Isn't that awesome? Can we give God a hand for people like that? Man, I'll tell you what. I think that's why God lets you live long. You see, if you're going to live on mission, God says, I got a few more days for you, Lois, right? Um, and so I want to encourage you, just be on mission and hug her. Hug her like crazy, all right? Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for our church family. God, we're honored. We are so blessed to be called your children. We are so blessed that you have provided for us. You've given us all that we have. And Lord, as we come now to, to honor you with our, our tithes and our offerings, Lord, we, we put you at the top. And we give you our heart, we give you our soul, we give you our finances, Lord. And God, as we we just honor you, we just ask, Lord, as we begin to give towards the birthday gift to Jesus, Lord, as those funds begin to come in, Lord, would you just bless, bless these missionaries. Lord, thank you for young families like John and Bianca trying to raise, trying to raise their little kids overseas. Uh, raising four boys overseas and just, just teaching them how to play baseball in the community and learn how to speak Spanish and learn how to bring people to Jesus. God, you're so awesome. Thank you for the greatness 
the, the, your work is bigger than we will ever, ever know. Thank you for allowing us to participate today. Thank you for allowing us to love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
most people pray. People who go to church and those who don't. Most people pray without even knowing it. When we're on a plane as it takes off, for some reason, we pray. When our favorite sports team is in a close game, we bite our nails and we pray. When we're being wheeled into an operating room, even if it's a simple procedure, for some unknown reason, we pray. The words, they just come out, often words we don't even hear ourselves whispering. Lord, help my mom be okay. God, I hope this pilot knows how to fly. Lord, help my team to win. Jesus, what in the world am I doing right now? Again, most people pray. Whether we're pursuing God or not, the words, they just come out. But something changes when we have a relationship with God. Our heart, it becomes alive, and because of that, our prayers and our words come alive. And we're no longer just talking to someone, we're talking with someone, with God, because there's a relationship, a foundation with Jesus. We've been uh, on the subject of talking with God. Prayer, I mean, that's what, uh, what you've known it as, is talking with God, right? But yet, we often struggle with that, and we wonder, well, what do I say to God? I mean, I'm supposed to talk with God, and if that's all it is, then why is it that whenever I pray, whenever I talk with God, I feel like my prayers aren't going anywhere? I feel like I'm just in a room talking by myself. I feel like they're not being answered. I feel like there's no, nothing happening. Why is that? Well, Jesus, uh, and just to bring you up to date, if you were, were not able to be here last week, we, uh, we started out talking about the Lord's Prayer, and uh, Jesus was asked by his disciples. And the disciples wanted to know, how do we pray? They were in a culture of prayer where people prayed all the time. Uh, they prayed at morning, at noon, and at evening. It was a good Jew. that They would pray three times a day. They knew the prayers of the Old Testament. They would go and look in the Old Testament and see all these prayers of the Old Testament. I mean, you can see prayer was ingrained in their culture. And yet, when Jesus was praying, he said, you ought to, you ought to pray and never give up. You ought to watch and pray. And he gives them, gives them this advice about praying. And then they come to him and they say, well, teach us how to pray. And he responds to them. I, uh, in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, he says, this then is how you should pray. And so then he gives them the model prayer. He doesn't say this is what you should pray. He doesn't say to recite this every time you pray. He says this is how you should pray. As a matter of fact, you know this is the Lord's prayer. You could better call it the disciples' prayer because he gave it as a model for the disciples to learn how to pray. Let's put it up there. This is the Lord's prayer. Would you read it with me? Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, as we look at that, we, we've been taking, this, this will be our third week looking at the Lord's Prayer. And we start out, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That is the most important part about the Lord's Prayer. It is, this is it. Now, it's all important. By the way, he gave 66 words. There's only 66 words in the Lord's Prayer. He gave 66 words to teach you how to pray. I love it. Isn't, isn't, the, isn't the power of simplicity incredible? He, he said, this is how you pray. But, but our Father which art in heaven. This whole thing about God being called Father. In the Old Testament, it was not often that you heard somebody pray Father. 
They prayed, oh, supreme God of the universe, oh, God, uh, 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 and, and lifting him up in some very high names. But this term of father was rarely used. It was, it was used, but it was not commonly used. And then Jesus comes along and he gathers his disciples. This is how to pray, guys. I could just envision them, them getting in close as he says, I'm going to teach you how to pray. And he says, our father, and their mouths just drop. You see, because it's all about an intimacy. It's about a connection with God the Father. Uh, the, the word for father here is, is Abba. It's daddy. You get to call God your daddy. Now, that, that's a very endearing term. Uh, my wife and I, we were sitting at dinner the other day, and she said, why is it that I feel uncomfortable calling God daddy? She, I, you know, and, and I was like, I don't know. Why, why are you uncomfortable? She said, because it just he's God. I should be calling him God, not Daddy. And, and see, here's what happens. We've, given, we've been given these earthly fathers. We have all these earthly pictures that we learn from, and they have all fallen short. But yet God is revealing himself. See, in this book, in God's Word, he is revealing himself to us, and he is showing us that he is Father. He is Daddy. He's the Daddy that you've never had. He's the daddy that exceeds the father, your earthly father. He exceeds your earthly daddy uh, uh, exponentially because he's eternal. He's awesome. He is, uh, he's always consistent. His love is always there. So this is the key to praying. And this was, see what, God, what Jesus was doing, saying, look, I want you to connect to the father. I want you to connect to daddy. It's like sitting on his lap and talking to him. So last week we, we, we delve into this and we talked about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So here's what we do. We, we start with the Father. We hallow it, his name. That's, we're just praising him. And what happens is when you start to praise him, you start to see how big he is. You start to see how awesome he is. You see the character of an almighty God that is nothing like anybody on this earth. And it's like, wow, his character far exceeds my own comprehension and so as, as you begin to do that you start to lift him up and then you come to this point where you struggle see this is the struggle for most people not my will but your will God your will what you what you want to accomplish in heaven Lord also on earth I want I want what you want in my life not what I want and so this is the difference between how the pagans pray and how Jesus was teaching his people to pray Jesus said that the pagans, they prayed vain repetitions. They prayed over and over and over and over. And that's sometimes we get into that. Oh, Lord, please, give me, give me, give me. Oh, Lord, Lord, please, 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 please. All right? In the meantime, God says there's something far bigger. It's not about bending God's will to meet your will. It's about your will bending to God's will. And this is where prayer changes us. So as we come before the Lord, not my will, but your will be done. And then we come, give us this day, our daily bread. Then we're able to come, and there's all of your needs. And you get to, and God, you know, all over the scripture, he tells us to hold nothing back from God. Don't, don't, don't hold back one need request from our Lord. Why? Number one, he already knows it. Your father, in just a few verses before this, he says that your father in heaven already knows it. So the question is why? If he already knows it, why do I have to ask him? Because he wants a relationship with you. That's it. He wants a relationship with you. And so come before him and ask him for all things. But you see the difference now. You're starting, you're starting with God. 
you're in this struggle about my will versus your will, God. And so, Lord, because you're God, because you're bigger than I am, I'm going to go to your will. And, Lord, here's my needs. And then he goes on to this next part here. And we'll pick up here because last week we dealt extensively with the first half. He says, uh, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts. You can take that word debt out and put sin in there. Forgive us our sins. Um, what he's saying is, I admit my faults. We come before God. And remember, this is, he, this is the model for us. I come before God and I admit my faults before the Lord. I admit them to God. Lord, I've blown it. I've done wrong things. And, and, uh, and so, here's, again, here's the struggle. God says, I want you to come with me with your needs even though I already know them. Now he says, I want you to come and give me, tell me about your sin. However, he already knows about him. Wow. And here's where the confusing part comes in. I thought that whenever Jesus died, he paid for my sins once and for all forever, right? That is correct. That is a correct teaching of the Bible. Your sin, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid for your sin. If you have trusted Jesus as your personal savior, all your sin. When he looks at you, he's not seeing sin. He's seeing the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the transaction that has happened. But I want you to think about prayer more as a growing relationship now. Because when prayer and talking with God is about a growing relationship, you're moving now to thinking about the relational aspect. So here's the relational aspect. The transaction happened at the cross. The relational aspect happens every day. So here I come along and I'm growing in my relationship with God. And so here's, and when we come before him, we say, forgive us our debts, okay? Forgive us our sin. And by the way, debt is a great word for there as well because our debt was paid at the cross, amen? Jesus paid that debt for us. He died on the cross. It was finished. He, when he cried, it was finished. Man, it was finished. And our sin was paid once and for all forever. And he did that for you. But he's saying, when you pray, pray like this. Forgive us our sins. And so what he's saying is to keep the relational air clear between you and God. You know, you have friendships. You have relationships, right? You're married. married. We have married people. That, you, know. you ever offend somebody? Does that ever happen in here? Probably not. That just happens on my street. <laughs> Just in my house, right? You know, it's like you know when you, you have an argument with your wife. Um, you know, there, it's like there, there, there's this thing that has to happen. I can't just come home and act like nothing happened. Can you? If you do, I'd like to interview you. You see, when we offend each other, something has to happen. And so, like when my wife and I we have an issue, I have to come. And it's typically me, because I'm always the offender, right? I have to come and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Let me tell you, those are the hardest words to say. Now, I'm just being honest with you, right? Why? Because I thought I was right. And I probably was right. But it had to be wrong to make her right, right? Yeah, okay. Do you understand what I'm saying? Look, listen, it's like when you have this issue between relationships, you have to come and you have to take out the relational trash. 
And God says, come before me and ask for forgiveness. I already know what you've done. It's not a surprise to God that you cheated on your income tax or whatever. I can pick on that one because it's not April yet, right? It's like, you know what? Take out the relationship trash. Take the trash and empty it. And when you clear that, the relationship gets stronger. Um, 1 John 1, nine says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. How does God forgive us? He forgives us freely. There's no questions asked. You come to him every day and he forgives you every day. That is his character. Wow. That is not like any human that you know. You know, most humans I know, three strikes and you're out. <laughs> okay? God is like, I know, I got a lot of strikes to count with you, buddy. And he, he understands you. But he wants you to come and he wants you to clear it. And it's not three strikes and you're out in God's game. He forgives unconditionally. He forgives instantly. Wow, that's pretty powerful, isn't it? I don't have to come and hit the button ten times. I don't have to say to God, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Do you ever do that about something that happened bad in your life? Something that you did that was really dumb? Something that you did that created a lot of relational problems or financial crisis in your family? And you, you made these decisions and you're like, okay. And you keep coming before the Lord and you keep asking forgiveness over and over and over for the same thing. You don't have to do that. You come before him once and it's forgiven. He forgives you instantly. See, I think that we honestly don't understand how he forgives us and how he loves us. That's who he is. He forgives us completely. There's no reservation with his forgiveness. He forgives you permanently. It, like I said, it's, it's over. He takes our sin as far as the east is from the west. He doesn't bring it up again. God's not going to, you know, you, you, you made a mistake. You, you, you sinned. You did something wrong. God doesn't bring that up whenever you go to do good. And that's what we do. We, we feel that. See, that's called guilt. When I, when I don't confess, I, I deal with guilt. And God doesn't want you to live in guilt. He wants you to live in freedom. And, and, and we know that because John 10.10 10 says that he came to give us life. See, life is not a life of guilt. It's freedom. He's given us freedom. And so in that freedom in Christ, man, I, I've been set free. But I still sin. And I still struggle with sin. I still sin every day. And every day. So I want to encourage you to keep a short sin account. What I mean is to come to God every day. See, if I wait two weeks before I come to God and give him my sin, sin list, um, it, it, there's stuff I'm forgetting. There's stuff that's all over the map. This guilt has piled up on my heart. In the meantime, God wants me to live free. Uh, he says, come, if we confess our son, if we do, now listen, we don't have to confess to anybody else. Aren't you thankful for that? I'm so glad that you don't have to come and confess to me. I don't have time for that. There's no way I'd be, and, and plus, I don't want to hear it, <laughs> you know? And you don't want to hear my sin, you know? You want to hear the pastor's sin? Oh, okay. No, you don't want to hear the pastor's sin. You don't want to hear anybody's sin, right? It's ugly. We don't want to deal with it. So I get to come, as he said, in the closet before the God of the universe and tell him, now, now the word confess means this, to say the same thing. That's all it means, to say the same thing. I say the same thing to God about my sin as he says. I was wrong. And in that case, I'm always wrong because he's always right. 
And when God's always right, you know what? If you're in question and you're dealing, you're feeling this uncomfortableness. And, and let me get, all right, so, so if you're going to go out, you're, you're, you're doing something in life, and you're feeling a little guilty about it, let me tell you, it's probably wrong. It's probably something that you shouldn't be involved in. So here's what you do. You come back before God and say, God, you know, I was messing with this stuff, and I don't know, but I just need to talk to you about it. I, I think I was wrong. God, clear my, clear, clear my heart. And you see what God does? You're, you're confessing before the Lord. You don't have to confess to the whole church. You don't have to confess to your neighbor. I always say as public as the sin is public the confession. So if, uh, if you, know, you confess before God, and if you've hurt somebody else with your sin, you go confess to them. Outside of that, nobody else needs to know. And God forgives. And that's the power of God. Psalm 32. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. That's you. When you come before God and you pray, forgive us our sins. Lord, forgive me my sins. Wow, you have that joy. Verse 2, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt, whose lives are lived in complete honesty. Oh, man, there's, there's no greater joy than a guiltless life. No guilt. I, I know most Americans struggle with guilt of something. I should have done this. I did this. And we have all these issues going back and forth. Many Christians are defeated and they're living in guilt. And God says, you don't have to go there anymore. You don't got to go there. You don't, have to, you don't have to put on guilt every day. You come before the Lord and say, God, all right, here's where I was at. I said this to my wife. I need your forgiveness. And what's cool about 1 John 1, 9, he says that he will forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means when you come to him about the things that you're aware of, he forgives you for the things that you're unaware of. You see, you've confessed him. Lord, I re- these are the three things that I remember I did this hour, <laughs> okay? And you come and you confess him before God. God says, well, there was another 12 that you didn't realize that you've been doing wrong. And I forgive you for those too. All unrighteousness, he forgives. Isn't that awesome? I, I love our God. What a great God. Um, verse 3, when I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day. Man, you know, talk about being ill. I mean, not all sicknesses come from, from guilt, but sometimes they do. He says, I refused to confess my sin. When I did that, my body wasted away. I groaned all day. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. Finally, I confessed all my sin to you and stopped trying to hide my guilt. That's what he says. Come and pray. Forgive us our sin. And, he, and I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. Now, here it is. All my guilt is gone. What an awesome God. He continues on. He says, pray like this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Um, In the Lord's Prayer there, he says, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Forgive us our sin as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Um, I pray the prayer of release. It's the prayer of release. Now, I want to share this with you. He says, as I've forgiven other people, as you've forgiven me, I forgive other people. Just one issue. I really struggle with forgiving people. And I think you may too. Uh, We said here that uh, that God forgives us. How does God forgive us? He forgives us freely. I struggle with freely forgiving people. 
completely, instantly. Oh, I'll tell you what. You want to struggle? Uh, you know, somebody's done something to hurt you. I really don't like to forgive on the first day. I like to brew on it a while, you know what I'm saying? Like a good cup of coffee, you know? It's just like, it got to be brewed just right, you know? It's like three or four days before I want to come back and really forgive. And no, no, God says, as, I have for, as, as, as he forgave us, we're to forgive others. Ephesians 4.32, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Now here's the deal, when we don't forgive people, it's like drinking a glass of poison and hope they get sick. It really is. That's what happens. See, here, here, so somebody's offended me, all right? So, so somebody does something to me. They say something that hurts my feelings or say something that hurts my character, reputation, all this, all right? So whatever. Or they did something. They, they were mean, just ignorant, whatever. I can hold that person hostage. I can put them in the jail of my emotions, right? But guess who's really in jail? Not them. When you have somebody that's hurt you and has offended you, we have to release it. We can't relive it. So you can either relive the pain or you can release the pain. And so whenever you're coming to somebody that's offended you, listen, it's not if somebody's offended you, it's when they offend you. It's coming. As long as there are human relationships, there will be offenses and people will hurt us, people will harm us, and we've got to come before the Father and we've got to say, Lord, I need your help to release this person. I cannot live under this pain because whenever I do that, all right, I'm going to drink this poison. Go ahead, get sick. It doesn't work that way. Unforgiveness hurts you more than the person that you haven't forgiven. Did you catch that? Unforgiveness hurts you more than the person that you have not forgiven. It puts you in jail. It puts barriers to your life. And this is why. This is why he says to pray like this. And here's what I honestly believe about forgiveness. If I have an offense against my wife and I don't deal with that and I let that go on for a couple weeks, it affects all relationships in my life. And it affects my relationship with God. Because, look what he says here in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. He says, if you forgive those who sin against you. Now, these are the very next verses after the Lord's Prayer. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. You see what's happening here? He's saying, in other words, if you really understand that your debt was paid at the cross, if you really understand that when God forgave you, that God cleared up the relational air when you guys emptied the trash, then you need to go empty the trash in other relationships. And here's the deal. I think we don't do it in relationships because we really don't understand forgiveness from God. We, we're living our life under guilt. And we're, so therefore, it, it, it equals out. Because if I've come to the cross and I've been set free... I have, there's no greater debt than what I owe at the cross. I should go to hell forever and ever and ever. But Jesus says, I died on the cross. I paid for your sin. You get to come to heaven with me just by trusting me. Wow, I don't have to earn this. I don't deserve it. How then can I hold somebody hostage for something that they said? And here's the other thing. It doesn't mean that what that person did was not harmful. 
Because many people, many things that we have to forgive are from things that are legitimately wrong. Legitimately evil that's happened to us. And what our, what our job is to do is to release them. It doesn't mean that you're going to be their best friend. And forgiveness does not mean to forget. I'm going to tell you something. I remember every time somebody's hurt me. Every time. If somebody's hurt me, I remember it. But forgiveness says, I'm not going to bring it up again. Forgiveness says, I'm going to put that away. Yeah, I remember when I was seven. I remember when I was 12, the kid who punched me in the face down the street. You don't ever forget when you get punched in the face, guys. You know? Feeling humiliated because I was afraid to swing back, right? You know? I mean, you never forget that. But I don't bring it up again. I don't go to that guy and say, you know what? When I was 12... Look what you did to me, you know? I don't, keep, I don't keep bringing this up. You see, you have to let it go. And so the offenses get bigger. That's small, but the offenses get bigger. Somebody does something to you, you have to let them go. You release them. You either relive it or you release it. This is the key to peace of mind. Forgiveness is the key, is the path to peace of mind. If you want to have inner peace, this is where it comes from. You, you understand God's forgiveness, and then you forgive those around you. And I tell you, there's no greater joy than being forgiven. Because I've offended a few people in my day. And when those people, and I come back to them and say, I'm really sorry. You know what, I've, I've offended you. They're like, you sure did. <laughs> and they say, it's okay. We're friends. Do you know those friendships have gotten stronger and tighter? That's what forgiveness does. And so in your marriage, forgiveness heals. In your relationship with God, forgiveness heals. Your relationship with other church members, forgiveness heals. Your relationship with your children, uh, forgiveness heals. He continues on. He says, lead us not into temptation. That's where I ask God to guard my heart. Lead us not into temptation. This is the prayer of protection. Lord, I ask you to guard my heart. You know, there are sins that we deal with, sins of omission, things that we know we should do and we don't do, and sins of commission, things that we commit, things that we omit, things that we commit. And, uh, you know, there's things that we know we should do, like I should read my Bible, I should forgive, I should pray, I should give, I should serve. All right, those are things that if I don't do them, I'm omitting them. And then there's things that I commit, the crazy stuff that comes out of my mouth, the crazy temptation that we deal with, and you take all those temptations, folks, it's not wrong to be tempted. We will all be tempted. As long as you're alive, you're tempted. The guy in the nursing home, he's tempted, folks. He's tempted to be mean. There's temptation everywhere. It's not just the temptation you're dealing with. It's temptation to the day we die. We will be tempted all the way till the end. And so it's not wrong to be tempted, but we have a deliverer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's the, the next part. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. That's God's power. I depend on God's power. Who do you turn to when you're under attack? Do you turn to yourself or do you turn to God? You're under attack. You're, 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 you're dealing with some, some temptations out there. You're not going to run to yourself. We get to run to God. Deliver us from the evil one. I, folks, this is a big prayer protection. I depend on God's power. 
Our hearts are overwhelmed as a country right now, what's happening in our country. When we see acts of evil, such as in Colorado, and then in a small little church in a tiny little town in Texas last week, our hearts are broken. This is evil, folks. And as we step into the new world, listen, there's things that we are, as we lead the church into the next generation, we have got to deal with some new issues, folks. It's crazy in our world. You know, 20 years ago, there were no guards in schools. There were no metal detectors in elementary schools. Today, I go down the street just to read a book, and they scan me in. Put the wand up and down me. The local pastor, right? You never know what he's got. A Bible probably, you know? But do you see the world we live in? As we lead the church into the next generation, it's not, you don't feel safe anywhere in our world. But we have the privilege to come to God and say, Lord, deliver us from evil. Deliver me from evil and my temptation. Lord, be my protector when I go out the door. Lord, protect our church. Our church, as we move forward, man, we are praying. We're seeking God's will. We are being wise about what we do. But we're being, the Bible said, Jesus said, be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. And I want to encourage you. That's where we're going because Jesus is still alive. And here, here's, 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 here's the awesome part of the prayer. Now, this is cool. He says, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. You know when you go to a wedding and you hear that song? For thine is the kingdom. And I'll stop there. It's a little bit more than a good way to end a song. Here's what it is. I'm going to give you a little inside thought here. I've read this whole book. And many of you have too. And if you go to the very last chapters we already won. We've already won. We are on the victory side. This is a prayer of victory. I pray a prayer of victory. Lord, we're in the battle, but I know, God, I praise God for the ultimate victory. And so, if you come in here and you read it, you'll see that Jesus is coming back one day. You'll see, that, you'll see a imagery of Jesus on a horse. And Jesus, when he speaks, it sounds like a trumpet. Man, when I read that, my ears perked up. Wait a minute, in Revelation, it says that Jesus' voice was a trumpet. That's a pretty powerful voice. You're going to hear that. And then, whenever Paul says that Jesus is coming back to meet us in the air, what's he say? You're going to hear a trumpet sound. I don't know why, but I just finally figured it out. That's Jesus' voice. He's going to call us. The voice of Jesus is going to call us home. And it's going to be so exciting. Folks, we, have, we are on the victory side. We may lose some battles along the way. But the war has already been won. Jesus has claimed the victory. Amen? Man, I want, I want you to live in victory. We're not going to live in defeat. You're not going to live in defeat because of your sin. You get freedom from that. God gives you uh, uh, an ability. You come before him and ask him to forgive you. You're not going to live in, fr- uh, in guilt because of relational problems. You're going to go and you're going to do what God says. And you're going to say, okay, God, I don't want to release him. As a matter of fact, here's a prayer of release. I'm going to throw this up to you at the end here. Uh, it, it says this. 
you can fill in, and you'll see a fill in the blank here. And where is the fill in the blank? You just put in there, and you fill in the blank of the person that, that you're having an offense with. Dear Lord, I may not be able to forget, but I'm choosing to forgive, and you put that person's name in there. I realize that trust may take time to rebuild, but I choose to hold no grudges. Help me to let go of bitterness or anger in my heart so that I may live in freedom. Give me your grace so that I may relinquish my right to get even. Help me understand that you have forgiven me and that I can forgive that person in your name through you. I trust in your power to do that. Now, God, I ask you to bless me with this. God, please replace my hurt with your healing. Did you catch that? People hurt you. God heals you. Replace my pain with your peace. There's no peace in pain, is there? I need God. Only God can do this. Lord, my past, let my past truly be the past. You're on the victory side. Come before him. You, have, you struggle with forgiveness. I struggle with forgiveness. But you have been forgiven by an almighty God. You've been forgiven freely. You're completely forgiven. You're instantly forgiven. And now we come before God and say, God, I need you because my health is waning. My emotional health is waning. My physical health is waning. Lord, I, this forgiveness has eaten me alive. I need you to help me release this. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to invite you this morning to Jesus. Maybe you've never prayed before. Today is a great day to pray. Today is a great day to talk to God, and you can just call on Him. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, today's the day to trust Him. He said that He paid the price for your sin. And the Scripture says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today I invite you to call on the name of the Lord. Let him save your soul. Just pray something like this. Dear God, I need you. I'm a sinner. I've offended the holy God, yet you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. I invite you into my life right now. I trust what you've done. And I invite you as my Savior. For others in this room, maybe you forgot that we're on the victory side. You can forgive other people because we are on the victory side. You can forgive because Jesus won it at the cross. His transaction for you at the cross helps you to every day clear the relational air between you and God and now between you and others. We come to God first of all say Lord forgive me of my sins and then secondly Lord help me to forgive those who sin against me Lord be with your people as they respond in your name we pray amen won't you stand with us as we close Sing with me.
cross I look And to the cross I cling Of its suffering I do drink Of its work I do sing All in my Savior Bruised and crushed